that's the perfect example. My son is younger than your daughter and his sleep needs are vastly different from your daughter's. And I think this is what another reason people reach out for support is they expect toddlers to all do the same thing. So you have to adapt and read your child and know that everyone is so different. Hey, welcome back to the All Figured Out podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Barr. And today I have Georgina Vichetsky back on the podcast. And this time we are going to be talking about toddler sleep. So Georgina was on the podcast previously. I will link that episode in the show notes. And she was talking all about newborn sleep in that episode which was great because I had just had a newborn and uh, we were chatting and I was like, wait a minute, you have so much wisdom in the world of toddler sleep. Can you come back and can we do a follow-up episode where you speak just basically on the ins and outs of toddler sleep? So she is back. This episode is chocked full of everything you need to know about just toddler sleep in general, about all the different transitions that happen. So toddler beds, um, soothers, potty training, how all those things impact sleep. And so there's so many tangible takeaways that you will take from this episode. I hope you enjoy. Georgina, thanks for coming back. You're listening to the All Figured Out Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Barr. As a career coach for parents, a mom, an entrepreneur, and someone who spent 10 plus years in the corporate world, I still don't have it all figured out. And maybe you don't either. In this podcast, I'll share tools and strategies that I use with my clients. And in the many areas where I don't have things figured out, I'll be bringing you some amazing guest experts to help us fill in the gaps. So tune in each week as we explore how to make career and life decisions that truly work for you, your family, and your big goals. Let's make moves. Georgina Vyshatsky, thank you for joining me again. Thanks for coming to chat with us about sleep. Number one, numero uno topic. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm always impressed that you can pronounce my last name. (laughs) I think I just practiced so many times that it's just burned into my brain. Anyone else that has a different name that sounds Polish, I'll be like, I'm going to call you Vyshatsky. Oh, done. Um, so this is a podcast on parenting, careers, and all those things. And I just feel like the sleep of your children is probably one of the largest contributors to stress or like how your day is gonna how your work day is gonna go, right? Like if you have slept or not the night before, if your children have slept or not. So I wanted to, I asked you to come back quite re- quite soon after our newborn episode which I will link in the show notes because I think that uh <laughs> I'm so foggy right now cuz I was up at 5 this morning so I don't even know what like what my question is here but what is the difference between newborn and toddler sleep if we just start there perfect well and also sleep isn't just important for parents like fundamental to health is sleep like if you're trying to have a more healthy lifestyle focus first on sleep you know um obviously it's harder to control when you have children because you have these beings that have their own sleep schedules that need to obviously align with yours um i would say the biggest thing between newborn and toddler sleep is generally speaking newborns and babies so like one and under are somewhat similar in what they do you know mm-hmm. there's obviously differences and we talked about this a lot in the last episode however you know generally they'll have two or three naps a day generally they can be awake for you know roughly the same wake windows but then toddler 
years enter, so 12 months plus, and it just diversifies greatly. And it's also generally around two. So obviously toddler I'm defining from 12 and above, 12 mm. months and above. Um, are generally around two years is when you could have had the world's best sleepers and you're like, sleep, it's so easy. It can go off the rails. Oh, no. And I've got a, you've got a two-year-old. So, well, no, you're a one-and-a-half-year-old. Like I'd say you're still pretty on, you're on a good bandwagon right now, but it can really just go off the rails for so many reasons. Um, I think also, you know, around 12 months, depending where you live, but here in Canada, it's an often a time that daycare starts. And so that can really change sleep as well as being exposed to more illnesses. Um, that can throw things off a bit. And that's generally people around 12 to 18 months um, reach out because daycares change their sleep. It's also when the two to one nap transition happens and you're really then extending the wake windows dramatically. Um, Mm -hmm. It's also a period of huge development again, but really it comes down to the will of your child. You know, toddlers are very good at communicating what they want. And it's not always what you want. Um, and so setting those boundaries is so key and a huge boundary is around sleep. Mm-hmm. So I would say that like 12 months and around two, two and a half is when I get a lot of people reaching out for support. That makes sense. And so at the beginning, okay, so at that 12 month mark, say, so they might be starting daycare. So you're saying that, that that's a huge shift because developmentally they're in a new space. Maybe the the nap situation is different. Like I think I've heard that a lot of daycares will kind of, now I'm not say force, but really guide you to drop the second nap. Is that kind of your experience it that you hear? It happens a lot, okay. um, which is unfortunate because while some kids might be developmentally ready for that, many are not. So mm-hmm. it does force them to be awake for longer than they can really handle. It's also um, separation from their parents. So they've been used to being with a primary caregiver. 24 seven. And now they're having these long periods of separation and sleep in general is a long period of separation. So then when it's, you know, say they were sleeping independently, so that's a period of separation from you. So then when you've been away from them all day, you've only got two, three hours, four hours with them before bedtime, they're not going to want to have another period of separation from you. So they can start to protest that. So then, you know, bedtime battles can start to occur. Um, And so it's a huge adjustment period for them, the toddler and the parent as well. Yeah. What do you, and what's your, just your personal opinion on, is it harmful that we force our children, like say we can really sense that our child still wants two naps, but we're heading into the daycare say, I guess in Canada, if you're putting your child in daycare at 12 months in the States, for instance, even earlier, is it harmful to their development? Like can people, do people have to be worried that this is going to be harming them in any way? No, I mean, generally I always just like to say, look at sleep over 24 hours. Mm. And if you're on two naps a day, generally you're still averaging two to three hours of daytime naps. When they go down to one, generally you're still getting the same amount of sleep. It's just they're staying awake. And that's really what's in for longer. That's just really what's important is that they're getting the ideal amount of sleep for them. So there is no real harm being done by doing that. It's just that they may not be as happy because they're tired. So you're having to deal with a lot of emotions and perhaps behavioral challenges, but they're still getting generally the sleep that they need for their development and growth okay 
And so what do you, okay. So you've dropped to say the one nap, they're maybe getting the two to three during the day. They start to kind of start to protest. And this is maybe a person's first experience with like, oh my gosh, we have not had sleep challenges yet. Or maybe someone's like, yeah, par for the course. You've been a (laughs) terrible sleeper since day one. What does, what does one do? What does a parent do? I think it's really important to be very mindful to the time that you spend with your child. So Mm. say they're in daycare and you're picking them up four or 5 p.m. You know you've got two, three hours before they need to be asleep. Structure your time that you can have one-on-one time with that child. So you may, if you have the luxury of the time, go to a park with them after you've picked them up or go and, you know, do something nice that they enjoy. You're not distracted. You're not trying to cook dinner. You might just be coming home and just playing with them for 10 to 20 minutes. You're not on your phone. Give them that time that they need when you first see them so that you're connecting with them. Um, then you really want to double down on that time as well for the bedtime routine. So when you've got toddlers, the bedtime routine generally will take a little bit longer than, say, a newborn. You know, it's going to be more than just um, changing them, putting them in their sleep sack, giving them a feed. You know, it'll be have that one-on-one time. And it doesn't matter what you do. Just do something that you both enjoy. Um, and something that you you could be reading a book, it could be doing a puzzle, um, it could just be cuddling um, and really have the time to do that because you're putting in a time investment to then have everything else go much more smoothly. Mm, wow, I didn't expect you to say that. I thought we were going to be talking about blackout blinds and sound machines yeah. again. Like that's actually, that's such a good tip. Well, I mean, those do help. <laughs> you're I'm like, whoa, 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 keep those. I'm just assuming you'd listen to the previous podcast and you're doing <laughs> all those things. Like, yes, those things for sure, like the fundamentals for sure. But it really, when you're in toddler years, it's more about that connection and that calm. So, yes, you're going to be so busy. You want to, like, you know, do the cooking. Um, well, cooking's actually a good one. So, one, you really want to be thoughtful with your time. So, one strategy that works really well is actually that the night you're cooking dinner the night before so say it's a Monday when you're cooking dinner you're actually cooking the meal for Tuesday so that when you get home your meal's already cooked so you can feed your child um, and then maybe while they're eating or after they've gone to bed you then cook the meal for the next night because you know nutrition becomes so important in the toddler years as well so we want to make sure that um we're giving our kids lots of protein to help support their sleep. Mm. And so be mindful of that and then being able to provide them food that A, they're going to eat because they're picky. So, of course, you know, we can't give them the perfect balanced diet because they're not going to eat it. But giving them something, just being like, you know, protein, for example, um, Greek yogurt. It could be, it doesn't have to be, you know, meat. It could be tofu. It can be meat. Um, just mind cheese, mindful of things that are high in protein to help support their sleep. Mm-hmm. And so having the meal prepared so that you can give it to them as soon as they're hungry, because they may not have eaten well at daycare. It might've been a while. You want to be able to just come home and give them good, nutritious food. Good, good point. Ooh, that's so interesting. I like that tip about cooking for the next night or the yeah. people who batch cook always in awe of those people 
yeah, have it prepared. You know, my kids are not great at eating meals, so we still very much deconstruct their meals, you know, and have it, but have it prepared. You know, that might be chopping up a whole lot of veg and just have it ready to go to serve. Um, just have things ready to go. To And so that also if you're trying to cook dinner and your child really wants that time with you, that can be so stressful. So really set yourself up for success. Mm -hmm. That is really stressful because you feel like you're like, yet again, I feel like I'm letting you down because I want to be there. I don't want to be cooking. I don't want to be working or doing all these things that are taking me away from you, but such is life, right? And so it's this constant battle that I think we all feel no matter what kind of job or caregiving capacity we have or what we're doing. Um, Okay. I want to switch gears a little bit to something you were saying about that bedtime routine. And I really liked what you said about how do something to connect with a child. It doesn't have to be reading books. I think we're all kind of, we have it in our head that you must read books before bed. Sure. Reading is important. They will get a lot of books read to them over their life. Like I'm sure they're fine. Um, And you said like doing a puzzle, snuggling. I also remember whether it was in your sleep, in your newborn sleep course, or in just your bolstering uh, social media account, you had said something about different child temperaments and how some even prefer like roughhousing before bed or that there's different styles of like wind down. Can you touch on that? I found that so interesting. So I encourage what I call silly time Mm. um, before the bedtime routine. So it's regardless of temperament, kids like to be able to get their energy out. And so I think, you know, anecdotally, we're always like, oh, things have to be calm. You have to be calm before bedtime. No, like go crazy. Like, and if you have a yard, go run around outside. Or if it's pouring rain and you don't have a yard, like do an obstacle course inside. Like mm-hmm. get, you know, I think you know, you know, like puppies, how they get the zoomies. Like the same with the kids. Let them like run around, be really loud, just exerting and using their body to get that last little bit of energy out. And then if you've got kids that are more sensory, like for example, my daughter loves to spin. If you go to a playground, she will find the spinner thing, you know, that weird like little thing. Yes. That- stop like it's kind of terrifying um she likes to spin so we try to incorporate we used to have a at our old house have a swing inside and that's just having that sensory feeling of a swing whether that's spinning her throwing her upside down like she really benefits from that whereas my son really likes um deep pressure squeezes so that's like you know like the bear hug or when you sort of lie on top of them you know like sort of cuddling them like that sort of deep pressure he responds to so trying and seeing what works for your child is key. And then you would do that. So you would do that after dinner, before the bedtime routine, and then allow kind of like a 10-minute, like you're not going to go straight from running around like a lunatic straight into the bedroom. Like you'd allow a bit of wind down time. Um, and another tip with with toddlers is they have no concept of time. So if you say to them bedtime in 10 minutes, that is meaningless to them. So what we use and I always recommend is a visual timer. So maybe I'll send you the link and you can put it in the show notes. Like it's literally a visual little timer that then you turn and then it will say you want 15 minutes. It will go red for 15 minutes on a clock. So they can visually see that time get less and less. And they'll be like, okay, Hey, in 15 minutes, we're going to put our pajamas on. So you do the timer. They can watch that time. When the timer goes off, they know that we're moving to the next activity because you can't just spring it on them. Because think about if you're reading a book and then I suddenly come up and rip the book out of your hands and be like, okay, go do this. You're going to be like, what? 
no. Yeah. Like, you know, give them some warning, but you know what 10 minutes is, they don't. So having that visual timer, you can use it for anything, like getting ready in the morning, time to go to bed until this happens. You know, it's a really useful way of them being an involved and knowing what's coming. I love that. I love the visual because we, I use the phone or my watch timer and Addie loves that. However, the problem with that is she can't actually see the time going down. Exactly. So they can see it then. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, that's genius. Oh, I like that a lot. Okay. I'm going to put it back over to you. Now you do sleep consultations with, you know, hundreds of different people in different situations. You and I both have toddlers. So over to you, what are the questions you get asked the most? I think with toddlers, it becomes, I think, you know, people want their children to fall asleep by themselves with no help, many. And so, you know, that might have been something that was realistic earlier on for some kids. And then that starts to sometimes go off the band, you know, go off the rails. And so they're like, I just want my kid to fall asleep without me. I don't want to have to spend time in with them. And often it becomes the case of two issues. Like their sleep balance is off because ideally, even if you're fully supporting a toddler to go to sleep, it should be taking 10 to 20 minutes max. If it's taking longer than that, the sleep balance is is wonky. The other thing is... Do- Georgina, to interrupt here, sleep balance meaning um, how much daytime sleep versus nighttime sleep you're trying yes. to give them? Okay. Yeah. How, and also like um, how much awake time. Mm. So have they had enough time to build that sleep pressure to be ready to fall asleep? So I actually think your daughter and my son are kind of the perfect example because they're only three months apart. So they're both two and something relatively close in age. Um, What time does Addie wake up most days? Most days around seven, 6.37. Yeah. And then when, when is her nap and how long does she nap for? So then she, so she wakes up around seven. I mean, regardless of what time she wakes up, actually, she goes down at one and she usually sleeps for two hours. And then, okay, so she's up at three-ish. Yep. And then what time is her bedtime? And then she goes to bed at seven. Which is, so she's, so I would say she's sort of on the highest sleep needs because she's two and a half basically. Yeah. And she's sleeping um, two hours a day and she's having a four-hour wake window from when she wakes up from her nap until bedtime. And how quickly does she fall asleep? Like it's relatively quickly. Yep. Yeah, so it's not like it's taking hours. Whereas my son, who's actually younger, three months younger, so he is currently waking at 5 a.m., but we'll just pretend he's not waking at 5 a.m. He now can only nap for an hour. He is refusing his nap about every third day. And then if he does nap, he is up no later than two, sometimes earlier, and he still won't fall asleep till 8 p.m. So That he- is so different. He needs at least a six hour, at least a six hour wake window to fall asleep. And that's me supporting him to sleep. Like I lay with him for him to fall asleep. Um, He previously was falling asleep independently. Like I just literally lay him in the crib, sing him a song, rub his back and walk away. He very much wants that connection. And I am honestly elated to lay down in a bed. So I'm happy to lay down (laughs) next to him. help him fall asleep but that's the perfect example my son is younger than your daughter and his sleep needs are vastly different from your daughter's and I think this is what another reason people reach out for support is they expect toddlers to all do the same thing and they also expect them to do what they were doing last week and Mm -hmm. things change so 
quickly. So you have to adapt and read your child and know that everyone is so different. So often then it will be questions like, okay, how long are they taking to fall asleep? If they're taking more than 20 to 30 minutes, they need a bit more awake time. How can we get that awake time? Is it moving the nap? Is it shortening the nap? Is it that there's been changes, you know, has the baby come in into the picture? Have you moved house? You know, I think a lot of the reasons why we're having a few sleep challenges with my son is, you know, my husband's been unwell and we had to move him into a toddler bed earlier than I would recommend, by the way, um, and his toilet training. So he has had huge changes over this last month. So I'm just kind of winging it for now until things stabilize. And then I'll try to be a bit more consistent. So you also have to pick your timing to make changes too. Okay. I was going to ask, I was going to ask, you know, if you notice something is starting to change or go awry, how long do you wait before you're like, okay, let's, let's implement a change. And it sounds like maybe if there's instability, yeah. Wait for the stability so that the world is kind of back to quote unquote normal before you're like, okay, let's figure this yeah. out. You okay. want it, you want their life to be fairly consistent, you know, so not travel, you don't make changes when you're traveling, you know, if a parent's say a parent's away on a work trip or something, you know, there's been that the void in their life, don't make a change then. So you want things to be fairly consistent and calm because mm-hmm. they do pick up on all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I always say don't ever overthink a one-off. Like say suddenly your daughter was awake for two hours in the middle of the night. If it was just one night, there's always going to be wonky nights. But if it's been a pattern for more than a week, then I would say something needs to change. Okay. 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 Should we that now talk about toilet training, potty training, big kid beds, soothers, basically all these things that apparently we're supposed to be doing basically all at the same time. However, you're supposed to be spacing that by two or three months. I'm like, so what? This is all these changes are going to take five years to implement because they all have to be spaced out. Georgina, as you can tell, I'm getting riled up. We have not (laughs) done any of these things and I (laughs) am overwhelmed. I So let's talk about the bed. If your child is in a crib Mm -hmm. and everything is going well, meaning they're not climbing out um, continually, then keep them in a crib, honestly, as long as you can. Because <laughs> things are going well, don't rush the change. Do you hear uh, that, Scotty Barr? Quit trying to make that change happen, Georgina says. To put her into a bed? It's logistics of our house and the yeah. rooms and Brody. Anyways, it's boring. Yeah, but well, And logistics do come into play. So I say at least until they're three, at least. Longer if it's working. However, logistics come into play. So I am not preach. I am not doing what I preach. My son is two and three months and we just took him out of his crib and put him into like put the side on to the toddler bed because my husband can't lift the children right now and I have a bad shoulder. So physically putting him in and out of the crib was impossible slash painful. So we made the decision to make that change. Um, it's going okay-ish might have a little bit of regret but it's what we had to do um yeah and that's life as well also some kids crawl out of their cribs and so in which case you need to make that change because it's not safe anymore um what I do recommend though is when you do make the change if you can most 
cribs these days do come with like a toddler side. If you then do that first as a transition before moving them to their permanent bed, I do recommend that because when they wake up during the night, they're going to be in that familiar surrounding and they'll kind of forget that they can get out. Um, Whereas if you put them, say, from a crib straight into like a proper bed, that's a huge change. So if you can transition it, I would. Also, toddler beds tend to be quite low, so it is easier for them just to physically get in and out. So that would be the bed situation. Keep layered as long as possible. When you do transition them to a, a toddler bed or a proper bed, keep them in a sleep sack if you can. Now, if it has to be a walking sleep sack, you know, there's lots of ones that have feet because a child often cannot keep their blanket on them reliably until they're closer to four. Whoa. You don't want them waking up cold. It's really annoying to have to just go in to put a blanket on them. Yeah, right. So don't so don't try to keep them in a sleep sack. I'm okay, I'm so curious. I don't even know if you know the answer to this. Why is it that we are such like crazy sleepers when we're little? Like I remember I actually have memories of constantly waking up with my head at the foot of my bed when I was like 10 or whatever. Why? And then we all of a sudden sort ourselves out somehow. It's also down to temperament. Like you are probably still move around a lot in your bed. Mm-hmm. Um, call them like tornado sleepers. Like they just, you know, and they're often kids that are not fun to sleep with. My daughter is a nightmare to sleep with because you basically get beaten up all night. Whereas my son barely moves. Um, and they, you just are more fitful during your sleep. So, and I think, think when you're older, you just kind of know to stay in one spot. And also, you know, but it's also down to temperament. Mm. Interesting. Okay. So crib transition, keep the sleep sack till for as long as you can. That's so, that's such good advice, especially coming into kind of the winter, winter season. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you can get walking sleep sacks. So they kind of become like a padded onesie. So like do that, like do whatever you can to try to maximize that. Um, and then soother. So some kids still have their soothers. Um, I am a big fan of soothers. You know, most dentists are for a period of time. Um, If it's a nice sleep aid that and a sleep association that isn't you and you know you can take it away versus a thumb sucker, you can't take their thumb away. Um, If I was a thumb sucker and it was hell to try to get rid of it. Well, because it's still stuck to my hand to this day. Yeah, it's your thumb. Honestly, thumb sucking is harder than uh, pacifier because pacifier. Wait, I should just I should clarify. I don't still suck my thumb. I think I just made it seem like I still suck my thumb. I do not. However, it was so hard to stop the habit is what I was trying to say. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's true because you just do it. It's a habit like you just do thinking. Um, So if your baby has soother pacifier, we call them Australia dummies, whatever you call them um, at eight months, keep it. They come very attached to it. So keep it until closer to three. Around three, they have the cognitive understanding when you take it away. So you would be starting to talk about it. You know, there's, you know, you could say that, you know, the passy fairies coming to take it. I don't suggest saying that you're going to give it to a baby brother or sister because that just creates a bit of jealousy. You know, it might be that you're giving it to a cousin or the passy fairies coming. Our dentist actually um, on Lower Lonsdale has a little passy fairy door built in, which is so cute. So, you know, you can kind of do it with that and they will understand the concept you want like with any change you want to prep them get a book maybe find a youtube video about it 
um, and then commit to it. It's going to be rough for a couple of days, maybe even a week or two. It will get better. But when okay. you, and honestly, as a parent, you throw those things out. Don't have a secret stash in the cupboard that at 4 a.m. you're going to go to because you want to go back to sleep. Like get them out the house so that you don't have a backup and then you just get through it. Oh, this makes me nervous. I can just picture her little disappointed face, but come on, be strong, be strong, be brave. And I don't know, some people let kids have their pacifiers during when they're awake. You know, one way to stage it is you only have it for them in the crib. And then maybe you would take it away for nap time and you give it to them bedtime. Honestly, I I would just get rid of it all at the same time because mm. it's a bit why do I get it for a nap in bedtime? But if you want to phase it, again, you know your child best. So you know what will work for them. Um, and then, you know, some people suggest cutting them. I don't love the idea of giving them a piece of cut plastic. No, so no, me neither. I just think you you create a story and a reason and then you follow through. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you just, and you just move forward. Like you just go forward with it. She is like, they're going to sleep. They're not going to not sleep. You know, you might yeah. to support them to sleep differently. Um, You might be laying with them. You might be staying with them. Like it's a transition. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're consistent, it will, consistency is key. It will, they will sleep without the pacifier again. I was thinking maybe I'd go shopping with her to get a little blanket or like a little something that could like be a replacement aid. That's like very special that she gets after she gets rid of the, I don't know. Is that bad? like you know absolutely sell it like get get her new sheets even get her a new stuffy you know whatever to and you want to upsell it and you want to like you want to be over the top ridiculous because you really want to sell it like this is the best thing like so exciting wow like you you'll think you sound ridiculous but you just oversell it okay and would you would you recommend doing it with the toddler bed or with the big big kid bed transition to be like oh we're not in the the crib anymore that so we've thrown out the soothers at the same time no that's a lot no no I would try to space it out okay you might for example want to have the soother to help with the transition of the bed or get rid of the soother before I would space it out yeah okay okay Okay. one battle at a time and you know, I found that with everything in parenting, it's like people are like, just get ready. Just do. I always go off on this, but like that, just you wait for parenthood. And then you get into it and you're like, it can be hard, but we can do hard things. Like it's wonderful. I build everything up. It's never as bad as you think it will be. Yes. It's never as bad. And, and- also I disagree with that sentiment so much. I think every stage is better. Like, yes, toddlers are annoying because they can run around and they know they had an opinion, whereas newborns just sleep. Like I get like theoretically, but it for me, each stage just gets better and better and better. And I think, oh, one day I could sit at a park and just watch them play and not have <laughs> up on the, you know, equipment with them. Or I could sit on the side of a pool and watch them swim. Like for me, it just gets better and better. And I know at some stage it won't, maybe when they're teenagers, but for now the stages just get better and better. Okay. The big one that you have started with Oscar that we have not started with Addie, the potty training. So I'll preface it with your kids are vastly different. So our experience for potty training could, so my daughter decided at 17 months she wanted to potty train, which is not what I wanted to do because I had a newborn. But 
followed her lead. It was a slower process. I think when they're younger, it generally takes a bit longer. So it wasn't this like three day done and dusted. Like I was like, that is crazy. Like she got it really quickly, but we still had accidents and it took more than three days. And I also think it was the season of life I was in. I had a newborn, so I couldn't really dedicate my full attention to it. My son initially showed interest before he turned two, but we were about to go to Australia. So I was like, absolutely not. No, I'm not doing this. And in hindsight, I wish I had, because I assumed that his enthusiasm would continue for it. Mm. It didn't. Until like two weeks ago, has it been? Like two weeks? He showed interest again. And my mother-in-law was here helping because my husband's been unwell. And I was like, you have to toilet train him. Like we're just <laughs> doing it. In the band-aid because he he was showing all the signs, you know, um, and he didn't, he was starting to protest having his diaper changed. And I was just not, I wasn't into it anymore. Um, and but it took three days. <gasps> and like it was literally textbook textbook and he's not had an accident in 10 days like it's shocking to me how vastly different these experiences were but I do think it has interrupted his sleep a little bit so he for people to know you can toilet train your kid when they're awake like you can do that overnight is more a genetic component so when they're asleep they're asleep they don't control have that control over it and some kids it can take until they're seven eight nine ten to be dry overnight um my daughter was dry very quickly overnight oscar has definitely shown that he's been dry for the last week however the feeling of them needing to pee, they become much more sensitive to. And so I do think that's what's contributing to him waking up at 5am because he hasn't peed, he hasn't wet, we have a pull up on him overnight because uh, I'm too lazy to change sheets in case he does have an accident. Mm-hmm. And he's waking up at five and wanting to go pee. So I think that's where it can influence the sleep. So he's that feeling is waking him up. By the time 5 a.m. comes round, sleep pressure is non-existent. Um, melatonin's worn off, cortisol's rising. So it is a very hard time of day to go back to sleep. So he wakes up, he does a pee, but then we can't really get him back to sleep. We pull him, I pull him into bed with me. I'm trying to get him to fall back asleep with me, but it's just not happening. So he will eventually get used to that feeling and he'll probably be able to go until, you know, six, seven o'clock, a bit more acceptable wake up time. You often find that kids might be waking up at 12 or one if they've got a bit smaller bladders that feelings waking them up and so that can be where having them in um, a toddler bed is a bit more just easier to go help them go pee um I he doesn't pee independently yet I still assist him you know with the physical like pulling down the pants because it's so new and when you first start like you sort of do want to support them we have a potty in the bedroom so I suggest having a potty in the bedroom just put a towel underneath the bedroom um, so they can just go like some people don't do like we just have the baby beyond potty some people go straight to a toilet I found that a toilet is very think about if we sat on a toilet that big in comparison to our size like it's a giant hole that they can fall into so I find that that's scarier for them Mm -hmm. um but just know it can disrupt sleep um and be prepared for that okay and this too shall pass like it will be something that they'll yes yeah and if they wet themselves overnight still for years again that is very very normal so that is just luck of the draw genetics that's so interesting that's genetics 
that makes a lot of sense because you do hear just such different stories. Such a huge theme is just how different it's true. There's a lot of commonalities with babies, even though every baby is super different. There are a lot of things that are much more clockwork, but it's true. Like as we're getting to these ages, I'm like, whoa, you know, I've got a lot of friends who have, we have kids who are like weeks apart, months apart. And it's like unbelievable how different the kids are. And to your point, there's genetic components. They kind of start to split off. Right. And they're just all become their own little. And so that's why like, yes, ask for advice from people because it's interesting to see how other people have dealt with it, but don't compare Mm. because you're not comparing apples with apples. Um, And also your kid is different. For example, my daughter gets very stimulated if we're sort of in bed with her. She she has never and would never fall asleep if we were in the bed with her. It's just too exciting for her. She needs her own sleep space, whereas my son loves to be cuddled up against us. So that's what he needs. And he falls asleep easily doing that. So totally fine. So you just need to find what works for your child and what's also sustainable for you. And if you have multiple children, it might not be something that you can do is laying to sleep with your child while because then who's looking after the rest of the children? You know, so it's not always possible. So don't feel bad if it's not logistically possible. There's steps you can take to help your child fall asleep independently. Yes. Okay. What about the, I feel like I've got a lot of friends who are kind of dealing with the child who's been transitioned into a bed that they can get in and out of. And so they're crawling out of bed, creeping across the house and then boom. Oh my gosh. One of our friends was telling a story of their daughter showing up beside their bed and him opening his eyes and being like, ah. It's like there is nothing more terrifying than literally waking up to your child in your face next to you. <laughs> it's, it's honestly so, like I get the tap on the shoulder and I'm like, what? <laughs> oh my God. quiet. You don't hear them. Coming. <laughs> oh my God. What do you do? Um, well, and you know, honestly, there's no right or wrong. So some people are then happy just to pull the kid into bed with them and then they bed share for the rest of the night. Like if that works for you, then do that. You know, it's not going to necessarily reinforce it because it's just what they need in that moment. They've also woken up for a reason. So you want to rule out why they've woken up. Like are they getting too much sleep um, during the day? Or if they're not napping at all, did they go to bed too late? Are they cold? Um, Are they hungry? Is it to do with toileting? So you want to go through that checklist first. It could just be they want a cuddle. And then if you're fine to cuddle them and you all sleep well, then whatever, do what works. Mm -hmm. If it's more um, like you don't want them in bed with you, you then have to be very consistent with your response. So you would then very calmly walk them back to their room and take them back to their bed and then support them back to sleep. You know, whether that's being you'll sit with them or you say, no, it's time to stay in bed. You would then leave. If they followed you, you'd then slowly walk, calmly walk them back. You know, kids do respond to consistency. It might not be easy for a few nights, but they will then know what the expectation and the boundary is. Generally, you find that bedtime can be when they really ramp it up because they've got more energy. Like they're in bed, you leave the room, they cry, they scream, or they come after you, you know. So, you know, there's many ways that you can work um, towards that. You know, you would say to them, 
say you did want them to fall asleep by themselves, you know, it's time for sleep. You want to make sure you got the bed timing right though. So mm. if they're not tired enough for bed, that's going to make it worse. You've spent that one-on-one time with them. You've had a good wind down and they say, I'm going to leave now. They'll probably cry. You then give them a hug. You hold them until they've calmed. You then say, I'm going to leave now. And this could take one to two hours to begin with. Like if your kid's really strong-willed and they're not used to this, but then you eventually do leave. Um, one really good way to sort of help transition this is do what I call pop-outs. So you say, I'm coming back. I'm just going to the toilet to do a pee. I'll be right back. Now you need to go to the toilet. You might not need to pee, but you need to go to the toilet and sit on it because your kid will probably come check on you for the first time. And if you're just in the kitchen watching on your phone, they're going to bust you. So you you go and do what you need to do. Um, It could be, I need to go check on, you know, little Billy oh, and then go check on them and come back and then you but you only go for 30 seconds to begin with and then you come back and then you go for a minute and you come back and that might be five minutes and you come back because they know that you're going to come back they know where you are they know what you're doing and then you can slowly increase the time I like that. And what about this 100 okay is it called the 100 walks method or something have you heard of that where you a friend was just telling me about it where you're like Okay, so they're they're chasing. I love the visual of them chasing after you down the hall too. By the way, that's so so accurate of a toddler. Um, again, I'm, this is not from my own experience. From my friend's experience, she was like, "Okay, so we are trying this method, and it's working really well for them." Where their son's going into his bed, and then a couple minutes later, he comes like waltzing into their bedroom, and you like hold their hand and you walk them back to bed and put them down, and it, you could actually be walking them back like a hundred times in the night, but it like reduces slowly and slowly. So maybe that just goes to your point about consistency, whatever you're doing, just keep it consistent. I call that like a silent return. Like, Mm. you know, you don't have to be silent, but you're not like telling them a story. You're not giggling about what happened. You're just saying, no, it's time for bed. We're going to go back to bed now. You stay very calm. You walk them back, you lay them down and then you get up. And I said, you might be doing that 20, 30 times. Right. You're calm. It's really important to stay calm because honestly, it could be so triggering. You're just like, oh my gosh, like stay in bed. But you are very calm. You speak in a quiet, gentle voice. Generally, it's helpful to say the same thing. So don't then be like, just go to bed because then tomorrow we can go to the lolly store and you can get some um, lolly bean candy. Go to the candy store and then you can get candies. Like, no, you just say it's time for bed. We're going to bed now. Just keep sort of repeating the same thing. You can and validate their feelings. Say, I know it makes you sad. I know you don't want to go to sleep, but it is sleep time. Yeah. And that does work, you know, cool. if you're consistent. Um, yes. You can stay calm, which is the, honestly the hardest part. Yes. Oh, consistency. It's a big one. Yeah. It is. Unless, okay, how long, how long is too long? Like say you're trying that and you're at it for like five days a week. At what point are you like, okay, maybe I'll change strategies or do you stay steadfast on like one plan? No, I think you have to be, not everything's going to work for everyone. And again, you know yourself best and you know your child best. And honestly, if it's not working, something's not working if you're doing it for literally like a week or two. If there's, okay. if you see no improvement at all, you have to change strategies. Also, kids go through phases. So if just in that moment in time, they want you next to them when they fall asleep, often if you just almost um, surrender to that and do it for a few days, that's all your child needs in that moment and then you can often go back to what you were doing before Um, so don't feel like if you 
if you do more that you're forever going to be doing more it ebbs and flows and I guarantee you your 15 year old will not want you to be sitting next to them as they fall asleep like at some point there'll be more independence and then you'll miss that you'll want them um gosh totally I can only imagine I know it's people always saying about the potty training thing like they're not going to university like in a diaper don't worry or I mean hopefully not but you don't need to rush potty training I think just take the lead you know like Mm -hmm. and do it when you can be consistent like you're about to go away like you don't want to do it just before you're about to hop on a plane no yeah we start today we leave tomorrow (laughs) okay that's a good yeah and that's another point that you brought up previously it's like do it when it works for you like you just because joe blow down the street the family's doing all their things and you're having like we've you know my family's had a busy summer we couldn't we were like planning to do maybe one or two of these things and we're like no this just this isn't going to work. We're not going to be able to be consistent. We need our sleep because we've got a lot going on. We have a newborn. Like for us, you're kind of giving me the validation that like, just do it when it works for you. And when you can maintain consistency seems like a really big piece here. Yeah. For sure. When when you're making changes, consistency is key. Of course, every day is not going to be hundred percent consistent and that's okay. But if you're wanting to make a change, then consistency does pay off. It does make the change process go more smoothly. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Okay. And for our last few minutes, can we talk about parent sleep? So you kind of imagine you maybe, okay, this isn't, I was going to say, how do we, you know, snuff up our sleep hygiene? A lot of people do often have multiple children though. So your toddler might be sleeping better. Maybe you get through all this stuff, but maybe you have a a baby. Anyways, regardless of your situation, I'm getting into in my head about this, (laughs) regardless Any tips for parents to kind of just up their sleep hygiene and just focus on their own mental health and sleep and that sort of thing? You know, I do think it is important to have some time to yourself in the evening. So, you know, factor that into your schedule, even if it's only half an hour or an hour once everyone's asleep and really protect that time. Like I know we're all really busy, but use that time to do something that you enjoy to fill up your cup and start then your wind down routine as well. You know, just as it's as it's important for our babies and toddlers to do the same thing in the same order, it's true for us as well. So we want to do the same things in the same order Um, but then also see if you can tag teams. So if you do have a toddler that's waking up at 5am, can you switch off, you know, one morning you wake up with them the other morning, you know, if you have a, have a partner, they wake up with them. See if you can do that to sort of maximize your sleep as well is really beneficial. And then we'll also just know, like minimize your substances, like alcohol, caffeine in the evening, um, also up in your own, like I talked about protein, like nutrition is so important, like especially women as we get older, like maximizing our protein is so important. And then um, my secret weapon is magnesium. So um, Epsom bath salts. So just why it's important to put Epsom bath salts in every bath that our kid has. If you have a bath, do that as well. And if you don't, if you're not a bath person, I love having a bath. Um, you can get supplements, magnesium supplements. You can have drinks. You can even get spray now because it's absorbed on the skin. So you can get magnesium spray. So do all the things that you would do for your kids. Do them for yourself. Okay. I did not know we were supposed to be putting, I put Epsom salt in my kid's bath when they're sick or like, come on. 
it's so it boosts the best way to get magnesium into you is through your skin. So just throw in like just throw in some Epsom bath salts into every bath that they have. Like you might not bath them every day. We don't do a bath every day. Um, and then it's so good for them, especially if you've got a kid with restless legs or they're really like fidgety, that really just helps calm their bodies so that then they can fall asleep more easily. Cool. Yeah. Wow, what a tip. Always the tips for with Georgina. Always the tips, all the tips. Oh, that is so, so fantastic. I want to just, I want to head out of here right now and go hop into May. I don't even love, I like baths, but I've just determined that I don't like scalding hot things in general. So I just need to make myself lukewarm baths and then I can enjoy it. Well, and, but you can also get a spray. You can get like these yeah, magnetic right. sprays. You don't have to have a bath. Um, yeah. So that's a little tip for the day and put that, that's an easy thing to add to your routine. That's not going to take time or cost a lot of money. No, I take a supplement, like I take a magnesium supplement and it's dramatically helped. Um, I think probably my sleep, I've always been a good sleeper, but migraines and headaches, tension, that sort of thing. Um, I had no idea. Apparently we're all highly magnesium deficient and that can cause major problems. Yeah. Wild. And almost all kids are so because it's not something that's easily that they can easily have. So then that's just such an easy way for them to get what they need. And the Epsom salts I found, because my kids are really sensitive, like I am, to skin like, irritations and stuff like that. I know you can just buy completely plain Epsom salts that yes. are free yeah. of all like the scents and all the weird stuff, yeah, which I think we're all realizing. Like, they come like with lavender scent or stuff like that. No, just the absolutely super plain and then just mix it into their bath. And, you know, again, if it does upset their skin, you can get magnesium cream. Like, honestly, they'll do it in any way. So it's easy for them to get it a way that works for them. Oh my goodness. I love it. Thank you. Okay. Where can everybody find you, Jordina? How can they work with you? Share the things. Um, so Instagram woodlands.collective.sleep is the handle or my website woodlandscollective.ca. Um, that's sort of the two main ways to get a hold of me. If you live in British Columbia, Alberta, or Ontario, I'm a registered social worker. And if you have regist- if you have social work benefits, um, the cost can be covered. So that makes it a lot more accessible for people. So, you know, send me a DM, send me an email, give me a call. Um, really happy to chat um, and always happy to support people to get better sleep. Yes. And follow her, woodlands.com collective.sleep because she does weekly you do weekly q a's on there as well yeah well i don't say this is going to be like (laughs) all right every (laughs) Every wednesday oh so the day that this airs there will be one so look out for that because she answers people's questions and uh you're just the best and as you can i just love that people can get to know you in this way because i feel like your consultation is exactly i mean i've actually yet to pay you for one so maybe i should be doing i should pay you for this (laughs) <laughs> but dollars. Uh, we can start installments now yes 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 perfect perfect <laughs> um amazing okay so sleep go get it go get it everyone go get your toddler sleeping go get your own sleep thank you Jordina so much I so appreciate you thanks for coming back on anytime thanks for having me you're the best bye thank you for listening you can access all resources mentioned in this episode via my website andreabar.com slash podcast And let's chat on Instagram. I'm at Andrea Bar Coaching and I reply to every DM I get. If you loved this episode, don't forget to quickly hit that button on your podcast app to give me a five-star rating and drop in a review. It would truly mean the world. And if you're like me and love to share things that you love, send this episode to a friend who you think would appreciate this topic. 
Thanks again for listening and I'll chat with you next week.